0: Welcome back to Qui Bono, the podcast where we think critically about everything. I'm your host, Rachel, and today's episode is something a little different. I've mentioned in past episodes that I'm a student, and today's episode is also doubling as a school project. I have a final project to submit for a class that I'm in on communication technology and politics, and one of the acceptable formats for submittal is a podcast episode. So since I already have this platform and the project topic is relevant to this show, it seemed like a perfect fit. And it ties right into the discussion on words and critical consumption of media that we had in the last episode. So welcome to our new listeners, my instructor and classmates from COM552. Qui Bono, which means who benefits or to whom is it a benefit, is a podcast I created where I examine critical thinking and how to cultivate it as a skill. And now on to the project. The prompt is, Is communication technology, as it has developed over time, been or becoming a panacea to the discussion and discourse problems of democracy in our current world? And my short answer is no. All right, good episode, everyone. Pack it up. Bye. Kidding. (laughs) Kidding. (laughs) So, communication technology, as it has developed over time, has connected us in ways we could have never imagined in generations past, and it's developed at such a breakneck speed that even just our grandparents' generation imagined the technologies we have now to be the stuff of science fiction. I'm a little older than the average college student since I went back to school in my late 20s, so my grandparents are probably a little older than my classmates' grandparents, but I have one remaining grandparent who's still living, and he's 93 years old. If I told him that I was producing a podcast, I don't think he would even have a clue what that meant. I think that our squishy little primate brains are not equipped to handle how much information these technology advancements throw at us all day, every day, and that although the internet is awesome, and I'm certainly no Luddite myself, information overload is real and intense, and it's my main argument for why our advanced communication technologies are no panacea for the problems of modern democracy. Information overload is a term that was first used by Alvin Toffler in his book Future Shock. He predicted back in 1970 that the rapidly rising access to information would eventually cause societal problems. Now, there's more information being created online constantly, and it's more than any one person could ever read or listen to in their entire lives. Sarah Peterson writes that information overload can cause analysis paralysis, or when you are so overwhelmed by all of your options that you feel you can't take any action or make any decisions. I know that I've definitely experienced that overwhelmed feeling. How on earth could anyone pay attention to all of it? They can't. So we have to choose what to pay attention to, and we have to choose how much of our attention to give to it. We have to be careful, critical consumers of media, and that's not as widespread of a skill as it needs to be to keep up with the endless barrage of information flying at us. Not only that, but media literacy is difficult. Dale Flory in a 2017 article explains that we live in a climate ripe for noise. Media outlets and 24-hour news cycles mean that everyone with access to a computer has access to a megaphone to broadcast their views. Never before in human history has an opinion had the opportunity to reach so many so quickly regardless of its accuracy or appropriateness. A book on this topic called Understanding Argument in a Post-Truth World, written by two of my former instructors, says that there is so much information that people feel like staying informed is an unsolvable burden. This starts to intertwine with making decisions on the basis of emotion rather than facts. If people don't feel like they have the time to fully read the facts, people will be even more drawn to make decisions on the basis of emotion. And here's where politics enters the chat. I'm going straight for the F word. Fox News. It's an open secret that Fox News is not actually a news network, but an entertainment network. But that doesn't stop them from calling themselves a news network, nor from calling themselves fair and balanced when they are anything but. Their content is deliberately designed to provoke strong emotions in the viewer, mainly of fear, disgust, and outrage, and then they provide easy solutions to the problems they present. It's all the fault of the other side, right? In a memo obtained by the Daily Beast, Fox News' own research department admits that many of the people that appear on the network are regularly spreading propaganda. Direct quotes from current and former Fox employees include statements such as, Fox News is a destructive propaganda machine whose right-wing hosts don't really have rules and push a political agenda over facts. The network is, quote, assaulting our constitutional order and the rule of law and fostering corrosive and unjustified paranoia amongst viewers and wittingly harming our system of government for profit while producing birther-like coverage that feels like an extension of the Trump White House. And that's in their own words. Now, I'm picking directly on Fox News right now because they're the most flagrant example of this disinformation-spreading machine, but they are certainly not the only offenders in the political sphere of intentionally spreading false information for profit and political agenda. These are just a tiny fraction of the political conversations happening all over different social media platforms at all times. And unless you're a trained political expert, how can you be expected to comb through all of that information and not only discern what you should be paying attention to, but also what the truth is? It's exhausting. And the people who want to use these technologies to spread false information know this and use it to their advantage. They know you're too busy to fact check every single claim they make, so they rely on the emotional appeal. And even stories that have already been proven false by independent, nonpartisan fact checking organizations continue to be shared on social media. Clay Shirky, a professor at NYU, says people share them because they feel true or because sharing them is a way of signaling membership in a specific cultural group. So, my point in saying all of this is that our communication technologies, as they have developed over time, are amazing advancements that help connect people, yes, and they're extremely useful tools in spreading information quickly, but that's all they are tools. They can just as easily be used for nefarious purposes as they can for innovative purposes, and the tools are only as smart and effective as the people using them. If these technologies were a panacea, wouldn't we have a utopian government that works well for all citizens? but we don't, and it doesn't. If people lack the critical thinking skills or media literacy skills to carefully scrutinize the political information they're receiving through their TVs, computers, and phones, there's nothing to stop the information overload and overwhelm. People are too overloaded to know what to pay attention to or how to figure out fact from fiction and are therefore less informed and less able to make informed choices at the voting booth. Those decisions then ripple outward to all of society. In our representative democracy, the governing bodies are supposed to represent the interests of their constituents, but that's not really what's currently happening, and the people who want to keep it that way are relying on you being too overwhelmed to notice, care, or to try to make any substantial change. You can fight back against that by training your own critical thinking skills. Surprise, surprise, it comes back to critical thinking skills. So for this episode, qui bono? Who benefits from information overload and advanced communication technology? People who want to profit off of spreading lies that harm our democracy. And strengthening everyone's critical thinking skills is one way that we can work to reverse that damage. Let's get smarter together. As I mentioned at the top, this episode was a specific prompt for a school project. All of the references made in this episode can be found in the show notes or at quibonopod.com. I can also be reached on both Twitter and Instagram at Cui Pod. That's C-U-I-B-O-N-O-P-O-D. All one word. See you next time. Cui Bono was created by me, Rachel Bridges. Cui Bono is written, edited, recorded, and produced by me, Rachel Bridges. The intro music is a song called Hot Coffee by Patrick Patrikios. and the outro music you're hearing now is a song called Beatles Unite by Rachel K. Collier. If you like what I do, please consider leaving a review. That's one of the most impactful things you can do to help others find this show. And tell a friend. I can't tell you how many great podcasts I found because a friend recommended it to me. Thank you. See you next time.